Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Delight, we are exploring the Christmas narrative and seeing how the coming of the Christ child brought joy and comfort to those in need. Today's speaker is teaching minister Tim Peace. Well, the new year is upon us. At least in Australia, it's 2018. It's not here yet, but we're going to just assume that it is. Um, You know, the new year is a funny thing. Um, We talk a lot about resolutions, things like that. You know, for some people, 2017 was the best year of their lives. And, you know, how do you get better than the best? Well, today's best might not be as good as tomorrow's best. And so if you're making resolutions, maybe you'll resolve to make next year even better than the really good one that you already had. For other people, for other people, 2017 was a rough year. It was a really rough year. And uh, it's one of those situations where uh, they want things to change. They want that change to continue to happen. And uh, they just want things to get better. And so they turn their attention to 2018 and they resolve to make things better than they currently are. And then for the rest of us, we're somewhere in the middle. There was a lot of good in 2017, a lot of not so good in 2017, and we want to make the not so good better, and we want to keep the good as it is. Now, in this series called Delight, we've spent a lot of time in Luke chapter 1, but mainly Luke chapter 2, and we've gone through the Christmas story And we've talked about the idea of delighting in God's grace and sending his son Jesus to be Savior and Lord for all of us. And as we've done that, we've mainly focused on Jesus as a baby and all the excitement that surrounded his coming into the world. But it's interesting to me in the Gospel of Luke That scene of Jesus as a young baby is not where he ends chapter 2. No, Luke fast-forwards. He fast-forwards to Jesus at around the age of 12. It's the only place in the New Testament where we get to know what life was like as Jesus was kind of growing up. And it's a very small story. But it's a story that I want us to look at this morning because I actually think it should impact the way that we approach the new year. And so I want to turn our attention to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. And uh, I want you to follow along with me. It'll be on the screens or it'll be in your bulletins or if you have a Bible with you, you can turn your attention to that um, so that we can look at this. So this is what Luke says. He says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled One whole day. (laughs) 
Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, this story is perfect for us to think about the new year and our resolutions. And you might be wondering, what in the heck does this have to do with New Year's resolutions? Well, let's unpack this story for a moment, okay? Now, there's something we've learned about Mary, and by extension, Joseph, although he's not really mentioned in the Luke accounts, it's assumed that he's there when it talks of his parents. But Mary and Joseph, throughout this entire story, have been highly devout Jewish people. Highly devout Jewish people. We know this because when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary to give her the announcement of the great news that's about to happen in her life, she's called what? Highly favored. And then we learn that throughout the story in chapter 2, Mary and Joseph are continually following the customs and rites and rituals of their Jewish heritage. They bring Jesus on the eighth day for his circumcision. They bring two uh, pigeons for offering. Thus, as Didi said a couple weeks ago, denoting that they don't have much, but still keeping in mind and keeping in check their devotion to God. And here again, in this passage, it starts out by saying every year, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to what? The custom. These are highly devout people. Now, I want us to keep that in mind because the story takes an interesting turn. You see, they've brought Jesus to Passover to do the celebration. We don't know if they had any good meals or anything. You know, when you go out on you know, a trip, everyone wants to know what the food's going to be like. Luke doesn't tell us. Come on, man. Anyway, but we learn that they go, and then immediately they go back, and they get an entire day's worth of travel distance from Jerusalem, and they suddenly realize that they've had a home alone moment, okay? Imagine, you've seen the movie, right? Imagine they're walking along, their family, all their stuff. They start to look around, they realize Jesus isn't there. They don't notice. And then suddenly, the camera pans in on Mary, and she goes, Jesus! Instead of Kevin, because, you know. 
They've had a home alone moment with Jesus. And of course, they did leave him at home in his father's house. (laughs) Preacher joke, sorry. They've left him there. And then it says that they came back. Now, it says that they searched for him for three days. Now, I think we can assume that it took them another day's worth of travel to go back, and then three days to search. This is a total of five days of Jesus not being in the company of his family. They're probably worried sick. In fact, it actually says when she questions that they had some anxiety about this. Shocker. So they come back and they they find Jesus. And Jesus is sitting there asking the teachers all these great questions. And it says that the crowds were amazed at Jesus. They were amazed. Now, I I have to assume here you know, sometimes a lot of people think that, you know, high, high intelligence is all about, you know, being able to show how much stuff you know. I often find that it's the people that are willing to ask questions and even further are asking thoughtful questions that are really showing that wisdom, that intelligence. And so I can only imagine that when Jesus is sitting here and the people are seeing and listening to these questions that he's asking these teachers, that they're in amazement at him. Now, it's funny because it kind of says the same thing about his parents. His parents come and it says they were astonished. But this would be a bad thing if we read that and we said, oh, so his parents walked up on Jesus. He didn't know they were there and they heard him asking his questions. And Mary's like, oh, look at our son. I bet his IQ is off the charts. He's definitely an above average kid. That's not what it meant that they were astonished. It meant they were befuddled. They were beside themselves for two reasons. One, they just left their kid there for five days. You got to think that they're probably thinking we are horrible, horrible parents. I mean, the angel Gabriel gave us the son that's going to be the savior of the world and we left him. This isn't just any random kid. I'm just kidding. They've left him. And then, then there's also probably some agitation. Because on one level, Jesus is 12 years old. His mind was, uh, I'm the son of God. I'm going to, the, I'm going to these people. I'm going to ask them these questions. He's hyper-focused on that. He's not thinking about following mom and dad and family back home. So, they're beside themselves. Now, that's when we come to the part of the story that all of you might think is the amazing part of the story. But we're going to ruin that today. You see, we come to this point and Mary says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus says, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? So that's the part that we always, uh, we always are awestruck by. Jesus is only 12 years old, yet he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly who he is by the response that he makes. I belong here in my Father's house. I am the Son of God. This is where I belong. Don't you know that, Mom? You know, it's funny, that song we sing sometimes at Christmas time, you know. Mary, did you know? That your baby boy 
would one day walk on water. Nope. Nope. She didn't know any of it. She didn't. Want to know how I know? Because it says they did not understand what he was saying to them. Yeah, they knew because the angel Gabriel said that you're going to give birth to the Son of God. They understood that, and they understood he would be the Savior, but they didn't know any better than anybody else what kind of Savior, what kind of Messiah they just had. They didn't know. They didn't even get it when he was 12 years old and knew what he was all about. But that's actually not the exciting part of the story. It's the end of the story. See, Luke doesn't leave it there. Now, I want to stop for a moment before you think I'm going to commit some sort of heresy. Jesus didn't do anything wrong here. In fact, we know that the scriptural teaching about Jesus is that he was sinless, perfect, spotless. He was Lord and Savior. That is truth right there. But that doesn't mean that mom, dad, and son don't have a misunderstanding on their hands. Jesus knew who he was, but his parents didn't get it. So based on knowing who he was, he went where he thought he should go, and his parents thought he should have been going along with them. But here's what's brilliant about this. It's not that Jesus was wowing the crowds with his questions. It's not that he knew who he was at 12 years old. It's this. It says, then, after this whole fiasco, he went down to Nazareth with them and was what? Obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart, and so Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see, we've been talking about delight. Well, here's the bottom line this morning. If you want to bring delight into the new year, resolve to grow in wisdom and stature like Jesus. Resolve to grow in wisdom and in stature like Jesus. You see, here's why we have issues with our New Year's resolutions. We always want the big change, the grandiose maneuver, and we want to take the giant leap forward to get to it. Or we want to find the new fad thing that's going to get us there. Everyone always says, I want to get in shape in the new year, right? So what do we do? We go find the latest, greatest diet, the new intense, crazy workout. And we say, I'm going full steam ahead right into that. And two weeks in, we crash. You want to know the tried and true way to get in shape? It's a really simple thing. You eat a little bit better and you move a little bit more. I heard that one time in seminary from a professor. And he he stopped himself. He said, notice I didn't say eat less necessarily. Eat better. Move a little bit more. It isn't rocket science. But we have to have these big pronouncements about what we're going to do to change everything. 
and we've got to make all these big maneuvers. And so we flame out. Now here's why this story applies. Jesus, Jesus knew who he was, and he made the big gesture, didn't he? He went to the teachers, and he sat before them, and he wowed all of them, and he showed who he was just by asking questions. And there's nothing wrong with that. But do you know, want to know how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man? I'll tell you. It says that he went down with his parents, who, by the way, were highly devout, right? <laughs> he went down with his parents and was obedient to them. He didn't stay in the big place. He didn't say, you know, Mom, Dad, I found my home here. These are my new teachers. I'm going to grow up to be great because I know what I am. No. He did what the Father would have him do, what the Father has had, would have all of us do. What's the commandment in the Ten Commandments? Honor thy mother and thy father. Guess what? <laughs> that applied to Jesus too. And that's how he grew in wisdom and stature. Every small step Jesus took in his life was an act of obedience to God the Father. That's how he grew. He didn't make the big proclamation. He didn't make the big bold move. He walked step by step in faith with God. That's what he did. And so, what does that look like for us then? You know, wisdom and stature. You know what stature is, right? If you're a young one in the room, stature's great. Keep growing up. All stature meant was that Jesus was 12 years old and he grew from a boy to a man. Now, stature for the rest of us can be a good or bad thing. In my case, as I've told you before, I'm not real keen on pumping the iron. So I could stand to use a little bit more stature in, in my guns. I'm kidding, I don't have any guns. Some of us, though, might want to, you know, especially holidays. Anybody else ate too many cookies? Some of us are going to want to lose some stature. See, I think the key thing, though, for everyone is this wisdom part. It's the wisdom part. Jesus grew in wisdom. I decided on the fly right before I came up here that I wanted to share a passage with you that's been key for me this week. It's a passage in Proverbs 3. We don't have it on the screens. I just want you to listen to it. It's Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. It says this. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I have to confess something. Remember early in the year, Didi did this thing about his one word. Didi's word was cheerleader. He hasn't been hanging out in the office with pom-poms, I promise you. 
at least not too much. Well, we all had to select a word, and my word was forward. My word was forward, and you want to know why? Because I'm really, really bad at moving forward. And I knew that. I knew that because I let past failures creep in. I let things hang over my head. I've already told you guys before I'm an anxiety and worrier person. And I struggle to take those steps forward because I feel paralyzed sometimes. Especially when things in ministry get really, really, really hard. And I would love to tell you that I've ended this year on a really great note of moving forward. But I've ended the year on a a really rough internal note. And I realized something that I picked the word forward and it wasn't a bad word for me. It's just that I didn't get that it's not some magical leap. It's a small step-by-step thing. And I always try to take the big magical leaps and then I end up leaping backward too many times. And so this passage that I just read in Proverbs uh, that a friend gave to me uh, earlier on in the week to read and to journal about, it hit home with me because my tendency toward leaping forward is to trust on my own instincts and my own abilities and to try to leap ahead of God rather than trust him and to move with him step by step in the small things, in the daily things. Here's why I share that with you. My buddy Jeremy, he's our small group leader. At our Christmas party, he decided to uh, ask us to come up with our New Year's resolutions. But he said he didn't want them to be New Year's resolutions that were, uh, you know, about, you know, getting a new job or getting in shape or something like that. He said he wanted them to be faith-based, God-based resolutions. Now, admittedly, and um, I'm sorry, Jeremy, um, our group got carried away with our uh, white elephant, or as he likes to call it, black rhino gift exchange. And so none of us got to share them, and so he decided we would share them together when we reconvene as a group. But I decided to share mine now, and it's not going to wow you. And you're going to be like, oh, Tim, you've just copped out. My New Year's resolution is to grow in wisdom, maybe a little bit of stature in the right places, but mainly the wisdom thing. Because the truth is, I kind of want to redo on 2017. I want to be able to move forward now, but I want to be able to do it in tandem with what God would have me do rather than trying to jump ahead. And to do that, I just have to look at the example of Jesus. Jesus could have stayed behind with his family, or from his family, sorry. He could have stayed behind and and made the grandiose gesture and the big proclamations, but he didn't. He went back to little old Nazareth with his poor, poverty-stricken family that happened to just be really highly devoted to God, and he submitted to their authority, and he followed the path that God the Father would have him on. And it was in doing that 
that he became able to follow through on the big call. And eventually that's where I want to get to. I want to get to that point where when the big call comes, or the big calls happen, I'm ready to answer. But I'm not going to be able to do that by leaping ahead of God. Instead, I need to walk step for step with him so that I can grow in wisdom and stature. So I'm not going to set all your New Year's resolutions for you this morning. But I can't. I kind of am. I want you to consider the way of Jesus to be your goal in 2018. That you, like him, grow in wisdom and stature. It is for each and every one of us. He's already paved the way by laying down his life for us. And he's shown the way in his words and his deeds in scripture. All you have to do is read, learn, and live it. Please pray with me. God, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the love that you've given us. I thank you for just being so good and gracious to us. I thank you that, um, I just thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. And uh, I thank you that he has paved the way for us. And I just pray, God, that for each and every person in this room, that you will help us to move in step with you, not try to jump ahead of you, but instead to walk by the Spirit, to bear fruit in our lives, and to grow closer to you so that we can be a light to the world around us. We thank you for being so good and so gracious to us. And it's in your Son, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.